You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guests of today. We're looking ahead to International Women's Day, which is on the 8th of March. And I'm really delighted to be chatting to two wonderful advocates who are working hard to champion and empower women and girls across Hong Kong. I'd like to welcome to the program Alicia Loy, the founder of Wise Hong Kong, and also team member Sis Radford. And Sis is also the host of an excellent podcast series in the changing room. Welcome to the program, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Hello. Hi. Thank yes. you for having us. We yeah. are live on Facebook this afternoon. So for our listeners, uh, feel free to join us there. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 and all channels of communication is open. You can also email us 123show at rthk.hk. Um, Alicia, welcome back on the program. It's been, I think, two years since you were uh, since we last spoke on the program. Time flies. Wow, that's so long ago. It feels so long ago. Two years is a really long time. It really is. Yet you've managed not to age one bit. I think it must be all the sports <laughs> you're doing. So so tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, Wise Hong Kong. Um, what do you do there and where did this idea come from? Right. Um, Wise stands for Women in Sports Empowered Hong Kong. We started in 2017 as a volunteer-led a nonprofit initiative to champion sports for women and girls. And um, we've now become a charity in Hong Kong. Congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. Took a long time, but we got there. Um, and um, when we say we champion sports to women and girls, we basically have three pillars of work, which is one, we educate why women, uh, why sports matter to women and girls. We try to empower um, by providing opportunities to engage in sports. And then the third pillar is we try to connect women and girls in sports to support and uplift each other. So the three pillars together um, help us to use sports as a tool for empowerment, because at the end of the day, we really believe in sports as being transformative and helping us to um, support our physical, mental health, and well-being, but also giving us the skills that carry us and transfer us into our personal and professional lives. Absolutely. Um, how do you think sports empowers a woman and, and everyone, really? Yeah. Um, well, let's just answer this. <laughs> yeah, sis, welcome to the program. Thank you so much Thank for, you. for joining Thanks. us. I'm such a fan of your of your podcast uh, series oh. in the Changing Room. You sound Thank so you. great, and the guests you you get are, are amazing. Um, oh, thank you. That's very kind. Yeah. That's very kind. Well, actually, a lot of, a lot of what I do on the, the podcast is very similar to what we try to achieve with WISE. And um, to answer your question there, how does sport empower women? I think nowadays we're all sort of quite aware of the, the physical and mental and psychological benefits that sports brings for, for men and women, boys and girls. But actually, a lot of these benefits tend to be particularly great for, for women and girls. Um, and I think that women in sport predominantly kind of defy the misperception, uh, the sort of, yeah, the misperception that, that women are weaker or that they're a bit uh, more incapable. Um, and actually recently, Alicia and I have been, and been looking into a lot that uh, women and girls participation in sports is actually a really important social and economic 
uh, sort of empowerment tool. Um, and the benefits go, go so far into society in terms of leadership. And uh, so it's not just physical strength or even just mental strength. Now it's a really, really important thing in, in the wider world. Yeah. Where did this sort of misconception come from that women are sort of less interested in sports and sports is sort of, is it because what we see on TV and when we look at sports, it's so male dominated. So women feel, some women may feel that perhaps it's not really um, our, our thing. Where does it come from? I, I think that's exactly right. I think it's a representation thing that has meant that sports has almost become synonymous with male. Um, and I, I think we're getting to a place where it's not going to be like that. But it's certainly a knock on effect. You know, the more visible women in sport are, the more normal it becomes to see female athletes and women in sport. Um, but I think that has come from decades and decades and decades of men in sport being the predominant um, Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also how women are being, sorry, go on, Alicia, go on. There's also a lot of it is definitely you're talking about the visibility of women um, being less in sports, also in public domain. So sports is actually a representation of real life anyway. But it's also because um, I think women and girls face other challenges to participate in sport because sport is often considered play and play in our lives is not as prioritized. So women and girls still have gendered roles like having to take care of a family. When we've done research before, we've certainly had respondents say that the need to care for family is a, is a, um, it could be a barrier. And secondly, it's just that it's not only it, like the visibility is certainly a key part of it, but it's also when um, sports is only certain sports are more available to women and girls than women and girls are more likely to, to play certain sports or be yeah, led down a certain path. And so, um, it, yeah, so I think there's a lot of uh, different kind of challenges that are social, cultural, historical, yeah. Yeah, systematic, systemic, yeah. not systematic, systemic. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, going back to something that you both said just now, you know, you know self-care is not really a, a luxury. It's a necessity. And I think a lot of times we lump sports in that, you know, taking time for ourselves to do sports rather than taking care of you know, working harder in your job or taking care of your family and, and whatnot. It, it seems to um, take a bit more of a back seat. Yes. And I think that the past year certainly has shown to us how important it is to have better health, um, not just physical health, but mental health, um, how important that social connection is. And sports often is a very good way for us to build social connection and social health. And um, so, yeah, I think, think really it's you, you just, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, is she frozen? <laughs> you touched on a little bit about sort of the challenges and the barriers that women face. Uh, I mean, sis, what are some of the challenges that women in sports face? I think there are so many. On a, um, I, I think it's important to say that women are far more visible in sport, I think, now than at any other point in history. However, that being said, on a professional level, um, there's finances, uh, women are still, female athletes are still being paid, you know, uh, much, much, much less than their of, male yeah. 
Oh yeah, and and that's that. The, those discrepancies are in prize monies too. Do you know prize monies for major competitions? The women's team will always come away with less than a, a men's competition. Um, the other one is representation. Um, I, I think if we ask the average person to name five female athletes, I honestly I think that they might struggle, but they would be able to name five men quite quickly. I'm sure. I'd struggle um, with that too. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a representation thing, and then I think as well, you know whether it's on the field or whether it's on social media or off, there's a lot of um, sexism still at play, to be honest. Um, people face a lot of, female athletes face a lot of abuse um, and a lot of nice, not nice comments and they're not sort of viewed as entities of, of talent and potential. It's kind of, you're, you're a woman, what are you doing? That's sort of on a professional level. And then on a not professional level, girls and sort of teens are not, given opportunities there's not as much for them to do um and then as as uh women in sport not professional i think it's the uh similar i think it's opportunities and and you know i think women face all kinds of barriers physically and socially that that stop them either getting back into it getting into it or staying in it yeah what about that point about this unfair comparison to men in sports it seems like if a woman excels in in their sport they're they're described as you know being too masculine and i don't know why mm-hmm. this whole notion that sport still has this very male um I don't know, uh, haze or shroud over it. Like I'm thinking Serena Williams, you know, she's a fantastic sportswoman. Um, Yet when she does really well in in, in tennis, for example, people like, oh, she's so manly. And and where does that come from? And I don't know, have have you ever come across these sort of terms also? I can see you nodding, uh, Alicia. Uh, What what are your thoughts on this? I mean, certainly, I think um, it's something that you're touching upon are stereotypes because there's an idealized um, perception of whether it's body image or the way someone should look in order to perform well in a sport. So you mentioned um, tennis. So, you know, you can think of tennis players like Anna Kornikova, Maria Sharapova, who are very beautiful in the standard beauty context and then you compare that to someone who's Serena Williams and the extreme is it's just an extreme right and so she's also un- beautiful she's strong you know she's talented yeah. yeah um and then of course you know like she gets judged on by her skin color because tennis historically has been quite a you know Caucasian looking kind of sport um, but the other thing that you are touching upon in sports is that this, a lot of sports have this idealized um, body type because that's how you excel. It's related to what you need to um, look like in terms of maybe lightness, in terms of build. So if you think of like gymnastics, if you think of figure skating, um, you need power and strength for, let's say, you know, certain positions in rugby, American football. Or, so I think when someone doesn't fit into that idealized notion of what you need to be in order to just excel at your sport, then they obviously stand out and then they, you know, get, get, yeah, get, the, the, get the abuse. Absolutely. And I, and I sort of also blame the media, sort of. <laughs> Um, and, and how they report uh, women in sports. A lot of the times, it's a lot to do with how they look physically, 
or perhaps a little mm-hmm. bit more about their personal life. You know, always yeah. mother of two. You never get that about mm-hmm. male athletes. Um, it's very rare. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very yeah. sort of strange way of sports reporting yeah. when you're very focused on the other things other than sports or about the athletes uh, themselves. Um, yeah, in terms of... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Actually. Because you also asked about the barriers to women in sport, and we've been quite focused on the playing of sport aspect. But something that I also want to bring in is the working in sport aspect, which is we talked um, earlier about you know female athletes getting paid less, um, for example. Well, actually, there are fewer women working in leadership positions and coaches or having the visible roles that you see on TV, like coaches, club managers, for example, you know, you don't really often get the, the, the CEO of a major sports brand being a woman, for example. So, yeah, there's sort of the, um, what I want to bring in is sports is not really just the playing of it, but there's also the whole what, Sis was saying the whole economic aspect of it is careers and professionals um, in the sport industry. Absolutely. And you just have to sort of look at the Olympic Committee. It's sort of all men. Or if you look at FIFA, it's always men, men, men. Um, yes. But today we have two wise ladies joining us to talk about uh, sports and women. Um, I, I want to know a little bit more about sort of the, the programs that you run at Wise Hong Kong. And, and how has your charity sort of evolved in the last few years? And what are you focusing on uh, now, sis? Um, we have a huge amount um, coming up this year. I think the last year, we've sort of not been too much physically. We've sort of had 12 months to, to plan all these things. That 2021 <laughs> is the year we're going to do it all. Um, so last year was a dud up. year, you know, right it off. Was a planning year, right? <laughs> um, so we're hoping that things here in Hong Kong can sort of resume and, and by the summer we're sort of back to normal so we can... Um, put a lot into practice, but a couple that we have. So we're going to continue with our normal sort of um, our staple kind of events, which are our mother and daughter sports days, um, which we love. We want to run quite regularly. Uh, we have one coming up uh, just after Easter. We're going to partner with Gaelic football. Um, so we're doing that. And then a couple of our big programs, um, we have what we call SHE, which stands for Sports Health Empowerment. Um, this is a program we're going to be launching. We're actually going to be doing with university um, age um, women. And we're going to be partnering with older women, um, young adults, and sort of developing a mentor-mentee scheme, doing sport together, participating in workshops together. So we're really excited about that uh, because we haven't done, we haven't tapped into that age group yet. Um, and then we also have for sort of uh, more of the teenage audience, we've got a um, our leadership program, which I'll allow Alicia to explain a little more. This has been in the works for quite a while now, but we're hoping this is the year. Yeah, it's something that I may have touched upon two years ago. So it's been in the works for a long time. We originally planned to launch it last year, but we were trying to launch it during COVID-19. So we actually kept having to delay the launch and all of that. Um, so this is our leadership program where we're trying to equip um, teenage um, women, youth, um, with skills to be able to manage, lead, organize sports and um, sporting activities so that at the end of the day, after joining our program, they can also self-organize sports. 
because one of the things is is that there are fewer sports opportunities in Hong Kong for women and girls, and um, we want uh, women and girls to have opportunities to participate across the spectrum of sports, but also across a spectrum of play, because um, you know we all have different needs and expectations and wants, but sometimes sports is a very competitive thing. And so if we can have different groups of women and girls wanting to, unable to um, organize sports, you know, the level of play that they want to for their friends, for themselves, then I think that that would have a knock-on effect to really grow, um, you know, women and girls' participation in sports in Hong Kong. Yeah, speaking of COVID, Alicia and, and Sis, you mentioned, I mean, I suppose you put it in a far better way than I did. I kind of called it a dud year, but you called it a planning year. Um, how, has, <laughs> how has COVID sort of affected your work um, at, at WISE? Because sports is by and large um, contact, you know, that there's a lot of, uh, it's a community thing. Um, and I'm sure with the social distancing, it's, it must have affected uh, on some level. Um, what did you do last year? And, and, and yeah, how, how did it affect your charity? <laughs> yes, last year was almost like a dud <laughs> in terms of face to face sports activities. We maybe ran a couple. Um, and we were lucky enough to run a couple in the pockets of times when there was no the fields weren't closed or the social distancing rules are maybe not so strict. But essentially, we did try to move online, but online sports is very difficult, as we figured out. We did run a couple of online uh, workshops and talks. So we also learned how to run, you know, do things like on IGTV and use different types of like live streaming tools, for example. and then last year did give us an opportunity to regroup and think about what we really want to achieve. But certainly um, what we've also learned from last year in terms of sports is people can get very creative in terms of how or what equipment they use to engage in sport. But also we need to maybe expand the definition of sport in a way because it's moved from traditional sports like basketball, rugby, tennis to maybe in more recent 10, 20 years, including yoga, Pilates, uh, going to the gym. And now then this year when our last year when the pandemic hit and everyone had to move to online and home workouts, then maybe that's also, you know, is that sport. Yeah, we just have to cope and deal with, with what's available to us. Exactly, and, and, and do the best that we can. Um, I went on your Facebook page and I noticed you, you, you know, at Wise Hong Kong, you organize a lot of different talks. And it's really great that you get a lot of Hong Kong athletes just to share their experiences. And also, it's great for that visibility. Um, recently, you did one with uh, Steph, Steph Ng, um, Body Banter. Tell us a little bit more about some of the talks that you, you organize. Why do you, why do you do it and who is it for and what is it about? Yeah, we recently just did a, a collaboration with Body Banter and, and Steph from Body Banter, and we, we love doing that. Um, we, we talked all about body image uh, for female athletes, and we got um, three really awesome female athletes in to talk to us. And I think just on the, to- on the sort of topic of being able to 
work with female athletes. I think that's one of the beauties of being here in Hong Kong is that everybody's very well connected and willing to sort of help out. And, and we're very lucky in that respect. Um, why do we do these talks? I think it comes back to what we were saying at the start about the, the visibility stuff. Um, I think um, we could put these talks on um, and talk about these topics, but I think getting female athletes to come in and share their experiences of like, I've been there, done that. Um, people that have represented Hong Kong, they've been to international competitions. They have fairly large social media followings. I think it's really important to hear from them how it's been, um, how it's been growing up here. Um, and I think just raising awareness of some of these topics. We, we try to kind of cover a diverse range of topics when we can. Um, and it, it seems like, People are interested in them. Um, people like to come in and out of them and watch snippets of them. And we hope that we can continue to sort of stay relevant with, with topics for women in sport. Yeah. Do you think in Hong Kong culture... Hey, learn... Sorry, go on, Alicia. What we learn from engaging with and talking to so many athletes or women in Hong Kong is that all of us are very, very bright and smart and intelligent and are always and have a voice and have a perspective that deserves to be heard and told and you know they can use um, their stories to influence inspire other people and um, and also I guess part of it is um, you know being an athlete is a lifelong identity but it's not the only identity of all of the women who play sports and so at some point professional athletes retire and they go on to do other things in their life um, you know a lot of us play sports but work on the side so we do have many many different perspectives that we bring to the table and yeah like I said deserves to be told and heard Absolutely. And it can be quite a, a lonely existence being a professional athlete. You know, people see them competing in these great um, sports and great competition. But really, there's a lot of hard work that goes into, you know, waking up at five in the morning, going training, missing out on uh, social occasions. It's always heartwarming and 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 sort of um, isolating to hear at the same time. But it's really great that there are people dedicating their lives uh, to, to, to sports. Um, just before we end the program, I want to talk about sort of Hong Kong as, as, as a whole city. I mean, culturally, are we sort of lacking in, in the sports appreciation? Um, if you go to other places, there seems to be, you know, sports. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. One of the biggest events here in Hong Kong is the Rugby Sevens. No doubt about that. But again... Um, is it as popular um, with the locals as it, as it is with, um, you know, certain groups, uh, you know, expats, for example, or or local Chinese who, who, who are sort of educated um, elsewhere? I mean, how do we ex extend this uh, sports appreciation so that locals and everybody en enjoys it? You, you must have seen it, uh, Alicia and Sis. What are your thoughts on this? Alicia? Yeah. Um, it's, I would say that... Um, Hong Kong definitely is a competitive culture, whether it's for work or for you know studies and academics. So there's a lot of pressure on, let's say, kids to not just study and do well, but if they play sport, to perform well in the sport, if they do music, to be exceptional at the at the you know at the, at the piano or whatever. So there's a lot of pressure on 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 kids to just excel in general, anyway. Um, as to the question about 
why I bring this up in sports is because actually I don't think that people don't recognize the importance of sports. I think people do, but it comes in the balance of having to do like a billion things in our life, right? So when you have to do a billion things in your life, then you only have so much time to do everything. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's sort of that. I think traditionally, even 10, 20 years ago, academics was more prioritized for sports because it was kind of the perceived gateway to professional success and then later success in life, which does speak to the, you know, what what's the definition of success that we're nowadays in our modern times really exploring and thinking about. Um, and then I do think that if I bring this back to women and girls, um, there were, um, the there was a perception maybe that sports wasn't for women and girls simply because um, like I said, you know, you had to prioritize even households, for example, you know, taking care of the family. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, unfortunately, but remind our listeners once again, have you got a website and Instagram and Facebook? How can people